Alright, looks like we are live. And I even remembered to not mute my mic. Well, to unmute it, I guess. That would be just the smart thing to do because, well, apparently I can do smart things now. On occasion, it does happen. You know, lightning strikes twice on occasion, a broken clock is right twice a day, blind squirrel finds a nut, you know, all those things. Um, any which who, I'm Joe, your host of Joe's Disc Golf Podcast. Don't know where I came up with that name, but uh, trying to think outside the box, and uh, well, I think it really worked. Welcome, everybody. Hopefully, you got to see some of the wrap-up of the Las Vegas Challenge. That was some exciting stuff on the MPO and FPO side. Crazy, 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 crazy stuff. Big shout-out, mega kudos to... Page Peers for shooting a 1037 day one. Damn. Just damn. That was fantastic. Um, also, Ezra shooting an 1100 round. Holy crap. Good job, buddy. But I don't want to get ahead of myself there uh, just quite yet. We are going to be talking about a whole bunch of fun topics here, including the Las Vegas challenge, because, well, duh. Like, that just happened. First major... First, uh, not well, technically not major. I was going to say major event, but technically, you know, it's a uh, first time with uh, or it's the start of the new series with the Elite Series. We also have last week we talked about UDisc and how they noticed a growth in disc golf. And now we're talking about the PDGA and their end of the year growth report, which was pretty fantastic. We've also got talk about the inaugural PDGA Champions Cup. Throw Pink Women's Disc Golf Champion joins the USDGC at Rock Hill. We also have a little explanation of the PDGA rating system, round rating and player rating. And we also have uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 13 A-tier events or higher happening in March. Now, it's probably way too late for you to sign up for any of these because disc golf has been selling out like crazy. Yeah, um, I don't know if you've guys seen the articles. I've read those articles. Um, big one was in Minnesota. I forget which event it is. A tier. Sold out in minutes. Um, was so bad that people who couldn't get in on the AM side signed up on the pro side. So that tournament is going to be... MPO side is going to be down in competition, most likely. Because I doubt it is a lot of the AM1 guys playing MPO. And, you know, high-level AM1 and MPO at Natir, you know, they could be very similar. Um, unfortunately, I don't think that's who signed up for that. They did not have the foresight or, or knowledge, even. They didn't know it was going to be so huge. So they didn't um, ratings gate the registration at all. Uh, so that is probably a lesson learned for this tournament in Minnesota next year. And for all you TDs out there listening, watching, checking this out, I'd highly recommend you um, ratings gate, tier your registration so that like so that doesn't happen, basically. Or it reduces the chances of that happening. I just signed up for a tournament that's happening here in a couple weeks in Fort Wayne, the Tillman Tune-Up, which is a fundraiser. For the Three Rivers Open, 36th annual, A side, eight or uh, it's a B tier for the AM, or is it a C tier? I forget. I think it's a B tier. Either way, I'm playing that at the end of August, and then the following weekend is the MPO, FPO, the pro side, and that is an A tier for sure. So you guys, go ahead, check that out, Three Rivers 36th annual, Three Rivers Open. Go check that out. Go sign up. Well, you can't sign up yet because registration isn't open. But if you are close enough to the area of Fort Wayne, Indiana, and you want to play a really solid championship-level course that is a bit easier right now at this time of year because things haven't grown in, um, the fairways are tight, but you're not as badly in jail if you end up off the fairway as you will be this summer and fall once all the leaves come in because whoa <laughs> when when the leaves come in on the honeysuckle you end up off the fairway you're in jail you are pitching out 
every single time. Like there's nothing wrong with pitching out, but sometimes you're like, oh yeah, I got a gap there. You know, maybe I can hit it. Maybe I can't, but nah, 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 not with the way that goes, the way that is going. Uh, when that honeysuckle comes in, it is bad. It is really bad. It's a fun course. It's a very challenging course. It is, in my opinion, it is a championship level course. Maybe not as good as like USDGC or Hornet's Nest or even Toboggan, but it is up there. It is a good course, and they are building another championship level course where the average hole length is like 450 feet. They have uh, like three holes over 700 feet. One hole is 1,100 feet par five, where you throw 700 feet hang a right and throw about another 400 feet. OB all along the right-hand side, tunnel shot, so you can't really flex something out. It is challenging. If your roller game is strong, you should be good. My roller game is not strong. I can't throw rollers very well, but hey, you know what? I still have fun. It was a good time. I got to play that. Course isn't done yet. Uh, we started construction, and then it got cold. Too cold for the concrete to set, so we've been kind of waiting. Now that things have warmed up, it is far too soggy to continue putting in tees and doing all that work, but hopefully here in the next couple weeks, we'll get that going. What else is going on? Oh, yesterday, doing some field work. Oh my gosh, I wish I was recording. This is one of the few times where I wasn't recording because I was like, I'm just going to go out. I'm going to have some fun. Usually I have my camera on and to catch fun things and really just to work on my form. Like, just to go ahead and go, all right, well, here's here's my backhand form. This is what I'm doing wrong. Like, it might feel like I'm doing everything right, but when I look at the replay, it's like, oh, yeah, I was dropping my elbow. Oh, my weight shift was way off or something along those lines. So hopefully, um, so unfortunately, I didn't have that going. So I was throwing at a target about 200 feet away. I put, it was very sloppy. So you can see over my shoulder here, I have a yellow beef stamp that is a defender. Well, I have a yellow enforcer, and I just kind of stuck that in the ground because it was wet enough. Went 200 feet away, pull out my mids, pull out my putters, tried to throw them, realized I couldn't throw one of my mids or my putter because the crosswind was so bad. Like, I know you need to practice throwing in the wind, but with the way the conditions were, if I'm throwing in the wind like that, then I'm not throwing that disc. That's that's a given, especially 200 feet wide open because uh, I was just in the middle of a field. Anyway, so I'm just throwing that out there, trying to get close, you know, practicing my up shots, practicing my touch, all those things that we love to do that, that are so much fun. They're so much more fun than driving because, I mean, who wants to drive a disc 350 or 400 when you can work on your touch up shots at 200 feet? The glorious part of disc golf right there. So I'm throwing it, I'm throwing it, and then I go out, I collect them, throw them back from wherever they land at my bag. I was like, okay, well, I'll try to get it close to my bag. First set of five throws, I was like, whatever, they're all close enough. They're all within 20, 30 feet of my bag. Not too bad. And I decide to throw my justice, and I just get it out. I throw it nice and high. On this one, the wind was blowing right to left. So I put it way out to the right, knowing the wind is going to push it, because when that justice turns over, it just, it'll cook to the left. Not a, not a problem there. So I throw it out there. I was like, oh, that's going to go close to my bag. That's going to be a good shot. It drops, I don't know, a foot or less away from my bag, skips up right in. Beautiful. I, I, I was so excited. I did put a video up there so you can check that out. I'll probably put a link. Uh, maybe I'll put a title card here somewhere. That is at 9.07 ish. Uh, notes to myself, the joys of live podcasting all by yourself, skipped in and it was facing the opposite direction of all my other discs. And I, I'm very anal about putting my discs back in my bag in a very particular order. So I have my throwing putter, my mids, fairways, and then on the end, uh, well, then I have my, uh, distance drivers. After that, I have my backup discs. So and then I have them in order of stability. So anything that is a mid-range, I have set up where it's my Bounty, Emac Truth, and Justice. And then when I go to my fairway drivers, 
and I only have one throwing putter. That's the dynamic disc guard. It is basically a catch disc. It, it, and with my uh, ultimate frisbee background, it is so natural in my hands. It is great. Moving uh, on, I move on to my uh, fairway drivers, which goes my Vandal, Explorer, then Felon. And then I move on to my uh, distance drivers, which is my Captain, my Sheriff, my and that's a Lucid Sheriff that's very well beat in, my Lucid X Chameleon Paid Shoe Sheriff. No, you know, that's just a mouthful right there. And then I have a beaten Gladiator, Opto Gladiator, a new Gladiator, Opto Gladiator. Then I have, I'm trying to do this all from memory. And then I have my uh, somewhat beaten Enforcer, Lucid Enforcer. And then I have my Biofusion Raider. And then I have my kind of beaten Stiletto, which I need to get a new Stiletto because that one is not as overstable as it used to be. It's also like four years old. And whenever I pull that disc out, it's when I'm in, it's, it's two situations. There's um, a couple holes here in Fort Wayne where you basically have to throw, I don't know, 200 feet and then make a 90 degree right hand turn for the basket. So this, that disc is perfect. I power it down. It's like a 13 speed and overstable. So you power that thing down and it'll, for me, it'll go about 200 feet and then it just dumps. It's just done. Usually a park job. Everybody's impressed. They're going, how do you do that? And I go, forehand player. I'm just that good. Look at me. 895 rated. So good. So, so good. Who wants to be thousand rated when you could be 895? And so that's a great disc for that. But I've noticed it like um, it's getting beat in because um, the other time I use it is for getting kind of out of the woods when I need to do something tricky where I need it to go over and uh, it hits a lot of trees. And it's finally getting to the point where I'm like, you know what? It's still a good disc, but it's not doing what I want. And then I have two backups. I have a backup Emac Truth, which I'm thinking about taking out of my bag because I don't use it that much now that I have a bounty as well. Um, and a backup justice, because if I lose that justice, I am SOL. It is bad. I'm also looking to get a backup felon because I lost my felon. Um, it is under the snow at hole four at Tillman Park. Well, there's probably not any snow now, but it's another hole where you go and then you have to make a 90 degree left-hand turn, which is fairly difficult for a forehand player. And my backhand is decent. However, um, yeah, I made the corner, but I can't find my disc. I don't know where it is. That's all right. I'll get it back. Name and number. You know, be good. Karma is always out there. So, yeah. Anyway, you, that's 10 minutes, 13 minutes of me just BSing here. So let's get in to our headline topic here, the Las Vegas Challenge. I was able to do wrap-ups for days one, two, and three yesterday no sunday today's tuesday i gotta remember what day of the week it is tuesday unfortunately i was uh unable to sunday yeah i was unable to get um any wrap-up done for the final round just because of the way my schedule went i had some things come up i had some internet issues so i couldn't quite watch what i normally what I was normally doing, I was unable to get things done. It was kind of sad. Uh, it was a very exciting time, too. I wish I, I wish I was able to catch all of it. I did catch the highlights. Joe Mez has got stuff up. Gatekeeper and GK Pro. I want to say Gatekeeper had MPO lead. Joe Mez had Chase. And GK had FPO? I could be wrong on those, but um, it, you check those guys out. All three of those, you'll find something. I also had uh, was fortunate enough someone donated, gifted a subscription for one month to Disc Golf Network, and I've been going on that hard. Been going whole hog on that, trying to get that. So, spoilers here. If you are trying to not find out about um, who won and what's going on there, this is... Uh, this is your warning here to duck away for a few minutes because our winner on the MPO side was Eagle McMahon. He shot a 48 down. He played 
great all weekend. He was very consistent, did very well. I believe he was lead card the whole time. Maybe not day one, just because day one, it's kind of a toss up. Uh, I don't count it. If you're not on lead card day one, it is just whatever, like I, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, he shot great. He was making some good putts. He was having some really good drives. He had a few drives that were that kind of got away from him. The wind kind of played some tricks on him, but it happens. Um, Ezra Aderhold, Aderhold, that's what they were saying on uh, Disc Golf Network. His last name is pronounced Aderhold. He shot a 40 down. On day two, he shot a 16 under. That was an 1100 rated round. Absolutely insane. I wish that he was on the lead card for that day, but you know, it happens. And it, it was great. So he gets on the lead card for day three and I was able to watch round three and he was, he started out fine. And then it was just, I don't want to say he fell apart, but he just, he didn't do what he needed to do to stay there. He kind of struggled a bit on a couple holes. He missed some putts. He had a few drives where he turned it over. Like he started out all right. And I know if I was playing with Paul Macbeth and Eagle McMahon and Calvin Heinberg, I'd be peeing my pants a little bit. Uh, this is his first time lead card, all the cameras, all that fun stuff. And he, uh, you know, I think he got a little nervous. I, I don't blame the guy. He's human. We're all human. And his, uh, it just is what it is. Like he, he did come back and he played well on final day. He did not, um, he did not make lead card because of how he played and how the tiebreaker worked. Ricky Wysocki was on lead card and it was interesting to watch Ricky, Calvin, Paul, and Eagle all go at it. Um, Kelvin Heinberg tied for second with Aderhold, shot a fourth uh, 40 down, and Garrett Gerthy took the fourth place spot. He was a minus 38. The big story in my mind was Paul Macbeth finishing ninth. Um, he His fourth round, uh, from what I saw, I was able to watch this later Monday, and I was able to kind of jump around watching the um, DVR, basically, is what they call it on uh, Disc Golf Network, so I just went back in and looked at it. And he didn't look good. Like he was, he was missing putts that he makes. Now, I'm not saying they're putts I would make or you would make, but they're Paul Macbeth putts that he normally makes. And he was missing them. I think he was trying to do a little too much right off the bat, even though he was right there. Like uh, beginning, I think uh, Eagle and all those guys, it was just one or two strokes. It wasn't a big deal. Everybody was right there. It was a very tight grouping, and he just, I don't know what it was. He was just off that day, and I get it. Everybody has an off day. It happens, but it was just kind of weird to see uh, Paul Macbeth just struggle. He didn't look like himself. Uh, he shot a 34 down, which is respectable. Don't get me wrong, but it was just, it was weird to see it. Um, moving on to the FPO side. Paige Pierce wins it, shooting a 25 down. She absolutely dominated uh, round one. She was her score because men and women play the exact same layout, same tee pads, same baskets. Her score from day one would have put her right up there 16th in the men's side with her total score, not what she shot down because par is different between the two. And that is pretty good. Unfortunately, on... Um, Round two, like she had a four or five stroke lead going into round two, and then she struggled. It was <clears throat> it was not good. She ended up uh, giving up pretty much all those strokes. I think she was only was she one back of the leader, or was she one up? It was it was very close. It was one of those like, whoa, Paige, what the hell you doing? You know, again, people struggle uh, with the FPO on that side of it. Things did, uh, the wind did get worse as the day went on. I think that got into her head a little bit. Katrina Allen played fantastic. I'm not trying to take anything away from her. It was just the way Paige came out so dominant and then just kind of was like, I don't know, might have gotten her own head. It happens. We all get in our own heads. Need to work on that mental game a little bit. It is, 
it is what it is. So she did a lot better in round three and round four. Clearly, she bested Katrina Allen, who shot a 24 down. Um, it was hard fought. This was first and second was a neck and the battle for first was neck and neck. It was it was crazy the whole time. Those two were going at it, and it was a lot of fun to watch some of those highlights. Third place was Jessica Weiss. She was shooting an eight down, so it wasn't even a competition for second place. The next, everybody was fighting for third, which own uh, Scoggins got fourth place with a six down. So that was that was also fun to see. It was a good time. I'm happy everybody was there. Um, just watching it, I'm so happy disc golf is back. Everything is basically normal. There weren't really any fans, but it, it happens. Like, I, I think we'll get fans soon. I have a feeling by summertime, we'll get fans back out at some of these tournaments, and it'll feel really like normal. However, at this point, I'm just happy all the pros are playing. Um, it looks like we have a full lineup of events going through. There are some things that are going up, so they'll do um, at... Uh, four weeks, they'll do a check-in like, okay, so this is what the numbers are, this is what the local restrictions are, this is everything, and they'll make a call from that. And generally, everything is still going on as planned. At two weeks, they'll check in again and go, okay, so these are what the restrictions are. Like, they're not going to make those calls up until two weeks before, and they'll go, all right, uh, no caddies, or limited spectators, or whatever you know whatever the whatever's going on at that time so those are sorry my nose is a little itchy right now so that's kind of what's going on there if you get a chance like i said watch watch the coverage watch jomez watch dk watch gatekeeper anybody else who was out there catch those highlights it was a good time moving on to the PDGA's explosive growth, their end of the year demographic report. It was crazy to see how much the sport has grown. Um, we've got an 84%. Let's see. Ooh, transition. Boom. Check that out. I've got right there a graphic on the screen. Thank you. 84% player growth. There were 26,632 new members, 84% increase of player growth compared to 2019. And 2019 was a normal year. Like, they had a good time. Like, it was it was fine. Um, nothing too crazy there. Um, so they had, you know, like six, I don't know. Math is hard. Math is hard. So they, they had a decent amount there where this year it just blew it out of the water because PDGA is like like playing disc golf is an easy way you can social distance, you can get outside. It is a cheap sport to get into um sort of like I will say like those players packs are cheap. The the beginners ones are really cheap to get into. Everybody has them. They're all right around like 30 bucks give or take and they have everything you need to get started. And using a beginner's pack like that for a long time, fantastic. Good job. Does not matter. You don't even have to upgrade from that. Like if all you do is go out every now and then and play, whatever. That's great. Get out, play, have fun. You know, it gets more expensive as you get more into it. And as you um, lose discs and as they get worn in and as you just get bit by the bug and want to buy more stuff because disc golf is awesome and it is uh an addiction by far <laughs> it is a great addiction it is so much fun there's so many worse things you could be addicted to than disc golf so yeah disc golf fantastic member active membership also increased by 33 percent over the normal growth from last year like the last six years last six years um the average growth was right around 15%. So this more than doubled it. There are 71,016 active members. Now, unfortunately, they didn't define what an active member is. Is that someone who plays a tournament? Is that someone who 
engages with the website X amount of times a month or a year or whatever. So statistics with no context are kind of useless, not totally useless, but kind of useless. Like you can make those stats say whatever you want. Like we have 150,000 active members because they paid their dues. Like clearly that's not the metric they're going with, but at the same time, it's like, come on, man. Like just, just get me something here. Get me, get me a little something. PDGA membership manager, Vic Allen had this to say in March, we had to shut everything down. And by June, we were breaking monthly membership records. Like, Who'd have thought that in March where they they, I believe, furloughed a few uh, a few of their employees because, I mean, we didn't know like sports. Everything was kind of shut down like you couldn't do anything, as he clearly said. But then May and June, things were opening up. PDGA was getting back out there. You know, baseball wasn't playing. Basketball wasn't playing. Hockey wasn't playing. Nothing was really going on. And all of a sudden you hear about disc golf going and you're like, all right, let me check that out. Oh, that looks like fun. You know, you watch some highlights on YouTube going, oh, you know, that Simon Lazat, that Paul Macbeth. Oh, that's easy. Those guys make it look really easy. Check that out. Everybody goes out, buy some discs, and that leads to our current disc shortage and explosive player growth because, you know, that's pretty sweet. Canadian PDGA saw an increase of 30% and PDGA Europe added 2,200 new members. That is 22% more than 2019. On top of that, like thanks to UDISC, we found out how many more courses were added there as well. So that was, that was also exciting. They also had predicted initially at the beginning of 2020, they're going, all right, we're going to have about 5,000 events. They do these predictions every year just to get a gauge of where everything is. Well, then everything shut down. However, they still managed 3,437 PDGA sanctioned events despite the pandemic. This is, that is absolutely insane. They had all of that stuff going on. They were able to, um, they were able to get everything going and get, the national stuff going on. I mean, it was a it was an abbreviated season, but it was able to keep going, which is fantastic. And the fact that we had that many, like I played more events uh, last year than I would normally because I just had all this pent up energy and I just want to get back out. I wanted to get out disc golfing for various reasons. I didn't do disc golfing prior to that all that much because of other things that were going on. And then I got back into it, went you know, went hard back into it to the point like my shoulder was hurting a little bit. My elbow was hurting a little bit. But fortunately, that sports medicine degree that I have, I was able to treat myself and I knew to back off, unlike a lot of other people. Um, and I was able to finish out my fall series and do well and make it through without any big injuries. So a little side note, if you start to feel some pain in your shoulder or elbow, you probably should take a little bit of a break, maybe get that checked out by your doctor, go to a sports med person, your family doctor, they're great for a lot of things, but they're not great with sports medicine. They'll just, you know, you sprain an ankle, they tell you to take two weeks off and get back into it. That is not a good idea. That is actually a really terrible idea. Taking two weeks off is, is a bad thing. And plus you're going to be your ankle is going to be weak and it's going to, you're going to be more likely to re-sprain it. So your free uh, nickel advice for injury prevention, go see a sports med doc. If you get an injury, you know, there's a lot of places now opening up those uh, uh, sports med, those orthopedic urgent cares essentially. So yeah, that is what's going on there. So a lot of this information going back Getting back into it, I like to get off on tangents here. Clearly, you know that if you're watching and listening at this point. A lot of this information really mirrors what UDISC has said. So it's great to see that not only is disc golf growing, but the PDGA is growing as well. It's so good to see all that. It's so nice to see all of that going on and that more events are being added more opportunities for people to play in tournaments are being added. Tournaments are getting bigger. It's just great to see. 
And speaking of tournaments getting bigger, we have the inaugural PDGA Champions Cup. They put out their uh, criteria for invitation, and that will include FPO, MPO, FA1, and MA1 winners. You can find this. I have the link in the description below on YouTube. Sorry, Twitch. I will also have this stuff linked when I have it put up on the podcast. So check out your notes in the podcast there. We also have a quick spot here for our sponsor. Bringing it back around. Thank you. And the PDGA Majors Committee has established their qualifying events. And these events include, this is, these are preliminary, so things could change for automatic qualifying events. All 17 2021 PDGA Elite Series events will count. You also have Pro Worlds, European Open, US DGC, US Women's DGC, all seven Euro Tour events, Canadian Nationals, Australian Nationals, New Zealand Nationals, Japan Nationals, and Malaysian Nationals. You also have AM Worlds, U.S. Amateur Disc Golf Championship, National Amateur Disc Golf Tour Champions, and they can also add up to five other international MPO and five other international FPOs who did not qualify. So if for some reason... um, I don't know. I know she's not international, but say Paige Pierce, for whatever reason, did not win a qualifying event, even though she just won. Just bear with me here. For some reason, Paige Pierce does not win a single event and only ends up with third, and they're only taking top two, I believe. Um, I don't have that in my notes. Stupid past me. Come on, man. For whatever reason, she doesn't qualify like that. Clearly, she is a fantastic player, and she would get an invite. So it would be players like that who are, for whatever reason, maybe they just have an off year or the tournaments they go into that they don't qualify for, or they're like a a Simon Lazat who is out for a while and legitimately might will have a hard time winning this year because he's going to be so far behind in terms of being mentally prepared for being in tournament situations. Like, I'm sure he does a lot of great mental stuff. However, like, no matter how great your mental preparations and all that stuff is and your past experience, there's nothing like just being in it just as it is. Like, just having that experience of being at Las Vegas and getting used to the pressure and all that. You could try to put pressure on yourself as much as you want, but it's it's not the same. And I'm sure he does great mental exercises for this. However, you're just going to feel a little bit off those that first tournament back, and I would not be surprised if he doesn't do well. So that would be a great example of someone who could get an automatic or who would get an invite had he been more of an international player rather than playing in the U.S. So, you know, it happens. It, it is. It is what it is. And that kind of wraps that up. Moving on to uh, Throw Pink. Uh, what is it? Throw Pink Women's Disc Golf Champions joins U.S. Disc Golf Championship in Rock Hill, North Carolina. This is from UltiWorld, and this is an Innova-created event uh, partnered with uh, Throw Pink Disc Golf that will replace Women's National Championships as the U.S. DGC counterpart. So, in my mind... This isn't so much a new tournament as a rebranding of an old tournament. And that might sound bad. That might sound harsh, but that's how I think it's going. I believe uh, Women's National Championship will still exist in some form or fashion, but it won't quite be the same. It it won't be, obviously, with USDGC. So this is an invite-only event. There will be two qualifying spots at 15 different events and I believe that is mostly the uh, elite series that's going on this year Um, plus there are another 10 from exemptions so again your your player your top rated player your Katrina Allen and 
uh, no, sorry. Let's go with uh, Jessica Weiss. And for whatever reason, you never cracked second place in any of these 15 events. Well, she's fantastic. She would be someone who would get that nod. Now, I'm just pulling out someone who I know got third place in the at Las Vegas. So I, you know, not saying she can't win something or she can't get second place or do even better. I believe she can. Watching her play, she's awesome. I'm just trying to pick out a name and someone I know who, again, had third place. So if it were to end right now, would she get a nod to go play at the Throw Pink Women's Disc Golf Champions? Yes. Yes, I believe she would. But there, this is this tournament is also not considered a major yet because the major schedule is already published, obviously, for 2021. The major schedule is already set for 2022. So the earliest that this could become a major is 2023, which that's fine. It gives you a chance to grow this tournament. They believe that turnout for this tournament won't be as great as they think it will be in the future because this is brand new. It's not a major. So you don't get any extra points towards um, player of the year or rookie of the year. Not that that should really make a big decision, but with it not being a major players are more likely to go, you know what, you know, I think giving my shoulder a break this weekend's a good idea. It nothing wrong with that. I think we'll still have some great talent there. I can't wait to see how this plays out, but in the future, I believe this will be a major. I believe this will increase, you know, in prestige there will be only 40 spots total and i believe usdgc is going to match that for this first year um, this is small because it's new and they say it'll probably be bigger in the next couple years i think it will be bigger in the next years i don't think there's any there's no doubt in my mind that this will fill out to uh a more normal major size event where maybe they'll limit it, but maybe it'll be like 80 people instead of 40, double the size. So that's, that's kind of what's going on there. I think this is pretty awesome to get throw pink out there doing a whole bunch of stuff for women's disc golf, getting things all squared away. Hopefully with those guys or those gals, things are looking up for them. Uh, I'd like to see more coverage on the women's side for the FPO, like I wish, um, I wish, uh, disc golf network. And this is, this is something I mentioned a couple days ago. I wish they had a split stream where you could catch the FPO action uninterrupted. And cause they would cut back and forth as the men were finishing up, they'd cut back and forth, you know, men tee off on 16. And while they're walking to their disc, they cut over to hole one or two, whatever, however the timing works out of FPO, and then they'll kind of bounce back and forth. I wish they could have a separate stream for the FPO. I get that that costs money. I understand that they were, it looked like they were struggling a little bit with bandwidth stuff. And I don't know if that was the connection to the server or from the server to all of us trying to watch at the same time. Cause I'm guessing there were a ton of people. It looked a little pixelated and slideshowy at points, which in my mind is a positive thing because I'm looking at this as they have more people watching this event than normal. And so they're going to have to build up their network a bit and make that a little more robust. So it's a better user experience, but that's, that's, you know, growing pains, positive growing pains, like everything is getting better. So I think here in the next couple, maybe next year, maybe two years from now that they'd be able to have enough uh, money to hire enough camera people to be able to get dedicated FPO coverage and dedicated MPO coverage. I think that would be great. Like watching the women play, just looking at the differences between uh, how the men and women play the same course, like exact same tee pads, the thought process of how they're going to try to get eagle, get birdie, however you want to say, on different holes and how they approach a hole versus how the men's side approaches the hole. It is, in my mind, it's a lot like, watching men's and women's volleyball. So women's volleyball is a lot of finesse, a lot of setup, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Men's is, I'm going to hit this as hard as I can at your face. So either you're going to stop it or it's going to hit you in the face. And Scott Sterling is the hero. Go watch those videos. Studio C. Those guys are great. Anyway, too, it's, it's a lot. I, it's really cool to just see the different perspective on how that game is played. 
comparatively. So, moving on here, we're going to talk a little bit about how ratings work here at the um, for the PDGA. So this is just going to be an overview. Uh, this is not going to be super detailed. This is going to hopefully help you guys out. I know there have been some questions as to like, how does this work? How does PDGA rating work? How does, you know, what does that mean? What does it mean that Ezra shot an 1100 or Paige shot a, a 1037 or anything like that? So those are those are numbers based on how well you play, essentially. Um, it is the PDGA calculates this for every single round of any sanctioned event. So tournament, Las Vegas, every single round. and for every sanctioned league event. So the ratings are updated every second Tuesday of the month. So we are coming up um, on the 9th will be the next ratings update, March 9th, 2021. Now, if you, there is a cutoff for how late you can send these in. So I think yet yeah, like the TD for the Las Vegas challenge will probably have until maybe today or tomorrow, Tuesday or Wednesday, the second or third. I forget what the cutoff is. They do have those posted on the website. So if you play a tournament really close to the ratings update change or like say this next tournament on March, what would that be? Uh, March 6th and 7th, that weekend, those, those rounds will not be included in your ratings update because they won't be added into the mix just yet. They'll be there for your April update. Not a big deal. Nobody cares all that much about getting that stuff in. But if you're also wondering why, like, hey, my rate, like I played this tournament. So say I played the Las Vegas challenge and my rating didn't change. It wasn't included. Why not? That's probably because the TD didn't get the uh, information in fast enough to the PDGA, which a huge tournament like that. I'm sure they're working their hardest to get all that, all the official stuff in. But that does take time. And at smaller tournaments, it's all volunteer. So um, not trying to be mean, but you get what you pay for. And those guys running uh, an event like that for free, they're doing it out of the, they're doing it because they love disc golf and they might not get things done in time because they have other obligations. They have things that they have to get done as well. So just keep that in mind that, if you don't see your most recent tournament update on this, it, or your most recent tournament on the most recent update, it'll be there for the next one. Don't worry, it happens. Um, so, player ratings. These are based on all of your rounds for the last 12 months. The rating system tries to go back to get at least eight rounds in for your ratings update for your average. So... It'll go all the way back to 24 months back from whenever this current update is. So it would right now go back through March of 2019 to get you to eight. That's as far back as it would go. Most likely, if you have played eight since then, it'll only go back to March 2020. And as tournaments kind of cycle out of that one year if you as long as you have eight your rating will change and reflect based on that so your most recent rounds your 25 most recent rounds provided you have at least eight rounds count for double so your uh, most recent performance is biased towards that so if you have a bad round that's going to hurt you a lot more but that's all right because if you're lucky enough, like someone here, some host of a podcast, if you shoot 100 points or two and a half standard deviations worse than your average, that is discarded. So fortunately, I shot so bad at a tournament this past fall that that rating did not count. This was back when I was a, I was like 906 or 907 rated and I had a terrible tournament. My mind was elsewhere. It was very hilly. It was very wooded. I just got in my own head and played horrible and shot like an 800 rated round or an 805 rated round. Like I was 
right there at 100 points. So I was very happy that that was discarded. However, I played better in the second round and shot like an 817 or an 820. And that, unfortunately, was kept in my ratings round. And that is one of the reasons why my rating is currently 895 instead of being over 900. But that is, it happens. Like, I'm not, I'm not upset with that. I'm not, I don't put too much stock into that personally. Um, so that's kind of some stuff that's going on right there. If you do not finish, you get a 999 or an 899. So the difference between those two, one, uh, or it's a 999 and something else. I forget what it is. Basically, eight, uh, 999 means you did not finish and it's not counted. The other one is you did not finish and you did not tell the TD. It might be a 799. I forget what the number is off the top of my head, and that one does count against you. So if you have to drop out of a tournament, whether it is due to personal reasons or an injury or something, tell the TD. Get word to the TD, because if you tell them, that's fine. That's It's perfectly fine. It's perfectly legit. But if you don't tell them, they're not going to be happy. Things could change and you will have it reflected against you. So that is my little tip there. Round ratings. So we we're talking about player ratings. Now we move on to round ratings. So this is how well you shoot versus a hypothetical scratch disc golfer. Now, in regular golf, uh, a scratch golfer will shoot par or better. You know, a scratch golfer will shoot par hypothetical scratch golfer for disc golf is a person shooting a thousand rated round which will change course to course and day to day so this is uh this score is based on at least five players who have ratings of at least 699 and have at least eight rounds in the last year so those are important things to remember there these people are called propagators so they'll look at how they shot on the course and then kind of base what their scratch disc golfer is based off of how they shoot. Now, we don't know exactly what the calculation is for this because this is a trade secret. So if you if we all found this out, there are people out there who would try to manipulate the system and manipulate their ratings to do certain things, to know like, oh, hey, if I shoot... Uh, 57 on this hole, on this course, then my rating will drop to this and I'll be a top level M3 player. And as long as I, you know, have a couple tournaments where I can just crush it and then purposefully do bad on a couple other ones, then I'll stay here and be that sandbagging jerk who just steals all the prizes. So, these propagators, if there are not at least five propagators or the ratings are less than 699, then they go through a manual review process. And things that count towards uh, round rating are things like the weather, uh, the course, um, other seasonal changes. Like, like I mentioned, Tillman, much easier to play in the winter without all the trees, without all the leaves on the trees. The lines open up a bit more. The fairways are a bit wider. It's just easier to play. It's still a challenging course. Don't get me wrong, but think back to your favorite wooded course or hated wooded course, whatever you want to, whatever you want to talk about there, whatever you want to think about and imagine. How much easier is it to play in the winter, provided the pads are cleared? There's not a lot of snow to worry about. How much easier is it to play because the fairways are just that much wider? Or it's just that much easier to see your target, to aim down the fairway. Same kind of thing. So that will affect everything there. So a scratch scoring average determines what a thousand rated player would shoot on a particular course. So we're going to use a hypothetical course here. 18 holes, the course, rate, the course rating to get a thousand rated is a 50. So each throw is worth about 10 points. So if you shoot a 60, you'll shoot a 900. If you shoot a 48, you'll, your rating will be a 1020. So as I mentioned, the scratch scoring average, the rating for the course, varies based on the weather, season, and tournament condition. 
There are checkboxes and things that the TDs can note in their report to the PDGA about the weather conditions. Was it, you know, windy? Was it a 15, 20 mile an hour wind? Or was it, you know, a little two mile an hour breeze that just feels good but doesn't really affect the disc? Those are things that will change how, what the rating is. So no matter what you do, every SSA will be different for the course. Even if you play the exact same course, exact same layout. Like if I show up to play Tillman today and Tillman two months from now, maybe it's a 50, maybe it's a 49, you know, one, one, one way or the other. It is what it is. Like it's not, Ooh, excuse me. It's not going to be the same no matter what. So just keep that in mind that if you look at, look back at past tournaments and go, Oh, I see that uh, so-and-so on the MPO shot a 53 and was a thousand or because the numbers don't always line up nice and neat. You know, it was a nine, nine, nine or a thousand one or, you know, right, right about a thousand. Don't think that that's the exact same score that you have to get to get that same rating this time around. Now, will it be close to that? Probably, unless the layout has severely changed or the um, conditions are vastly different. You know, maybe it was a very calm day and it's very easy to play disc golf when the weather's calm, when the wind is calm. So the easier the course is, the more throw the the more points the throw is worth because just lower scores are expected. So if you're at an 18 hole course and it's wide open and it's like 250 to each hole, the average hole length is 250, shooting a low score is going to be easy. Whether you are an average amateur player or Paul Macbeth, you guys, your scores are probably going to be close because yeah, you can get aces, but you can't really go lower than a birdie on average. Like, will a couple of people hit some aces? Yeah, but if everybody's shooting at a 250 target, like, the scores are going to be low. So that will compress the scores, and this is why pros don't want to play some of these easier courses because they know their ratings are going to take a big hit where, you know, I, you know, you put me and Paul Macbeth on a little nine hole that is, like I said, about 250. Our scores are probably going to be close. Is he going to beat me? Yeah, that's that's a given. But is it going to be as big of a gap as if we go out and play Las Vegas? And yeah, I know I said he shot a 38 down and got him ninth place. Is he going to kick my ass when I'm out there? <laughs> yeah. He's going to destroy me. I can't throw as far as he can. But you put us on a hole where like distance really isn't a factor and it's more about accuracy. Again, he's still going to beat me, but our scores are not going to be that different. Like I said, if it's nine hole, par three for everything, not surprising if he shoots an 18 on that and I shoot like a 20. You know, he beats me on a couple holes, but he still wins my rating's going to look a lot better than his comparatively. So you got to worry about something called compression. So score compression. So that's, again, why these top-level guys don't like to play tournaments at those easier courses. On the harder courses, you're going to have a lot more throws. So each throw is worth less points. So on the easier course, you know, if it's 18 holes and then each hole, each throw is worth 7 points, then or on the harder course, everything's worth like seven points, then not a big deal. Like you could go a couple over and still have a really good rating. On the other hand, if you play an easier course where they're worth 13, 14 points, you could go one or two over and that would, that would vastly affect your score. So I hope that kind of makes sense. Um, that's kind of the overview of how round ratings and all of that works. A lot of fun there. A lot of uh, secret math going on there. We all love math, math, math. Any which who? We're moving on to our final topic of the day. And that is our upcoming events here. 
we have, these are all the upcoming A tier and higher events. So this is anything around the country. And I'm just going in chronological order as it was listed on the PDGA website. And that is starting out. We have the Pro-Am Memorial Championship in Scottsdale, Arizona happening March 4th through the 7th. On March 12th through the 14th, we have the Disc Golf Pro Tour Waco Annual Championship open in Waco, Texas. Also, that same weekend is the Waco Annual Charity Open A tier. This is for everybody else who's not. Okay. And yeah, not appropriate there. Okay. Um, we've got the St. Patrick's Day Classic, which is happening in Orangevale, California, which is March 12th through the 14th. So this is the PDGA, the, um, Professional Disc Golf Association, to answer your question, sir. That is happening in Orangevale. Uh, St. Patrick's Day Classic is happening a little bit before St. Patrick's Day. And that is going to be Orangevale, California. We have the Throw Down the Mountain 9, or Ix, I don't know, I-X. It is what it is. That is happening in Brooksville, Florida, because Florida is known for their mountains. That is March 19th through the 21st. The Open at Belton in Belton, Texas, is also happening March 19th through the 21st. We also have the St. Patrick's Day Classic happening in Orangevale, California. No, this is not a repeat. The first one was the AM side. This is the pro side. That is happening March 19th through the 21st. That should be a lot of fun to watch. The NADGT National uh, Amateur Disc Golf Tour Premier World is in Jacksonville, Florida. This is March 19th through the 20th. That is happening then. We also have the Texas States National Tour in Tyler, Texas. Beautiful area, Tyler, Texas. Go check out the Jalapeno Tree. That is one of my favorite Tex-Mex restaurants when I was down there. Plus, there's great barbecue everywhere. So go check that out. That is March 26th through the 28th, Tyler, Texas. We also have Texas State's A tier happening again in Tyler, Texas, March 25th through the 27th. So they offset it by a day. They're going to be playing, in my guess, they're offsetting it by a day to be able to play the exact same layout in the exact same day. So you're going to play this one, and then day two, you'll play a different one. The pros will play the ones you played, and so on and so forth. We also have the Dogwood Crosstown Classic in Clayton, North Carolina, March 27th through the 28th. We have Treasure Valley Cup in Eagle, Idaho. Udaho. Idaho? March 27th through the 28th. And finally, we have something close to me that I will not be able to make it to. The Southern Michigan Open in Dexter, Michigan. March 27th through the 28th. Those are your A-Tier Plus events going on over this next month. So, that kind of actually wraps up the stream for today. Um, thank you all for watching. I really appreciate everything you guys do here. Um, that you... Uh, where is this? Why is my stream stuff freaking out here? I really appreciate all of you guys out there. I really hope that you guys are having a lot of fun playing some disc golf having a great safe time trying to get registered for all those tournaments that are selling out go ahead hop on discgolfscene.com and you can search by your state or by your zip code within a certain distance you could go as far away as you want stay as close to home as you want but that is what is going on there we go that's what's going on there hopefully you guys will stay tuned for the next episode here. Sorry, everything is, like, getting freaky on me here. There we go. All right, we've got that going on. Hopefully you all enjoyed everything, like I said. Thank you all for watching. And... All right, everybody have a great day. I will catch you all later next Tuesday 
9 a.m. Eastern Time. Thank you all for watching. I'm Joe. You're awesome. Have a great day. Don't forget to thank Treesus when you have a great tree kick. And if you have a bad tree kick, well, guess what? You need to do a little bit of self-reflection because you did something to piss off the trees. And as we know from Lord of the Rings, pissing off a tree is not a good thing. Have a great day, everybody.